Welcome back to the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast. The Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast is your podcast source for news and discussion of the meetings and events industry. Each week, we bring you stories of new technologies, new ideas, and new directions that will directly affect all of us in the meetings and events industry. I'm your host, John Trask. I'm a CMP, a CMM, and I'm a 30-year veteran of both the audiovisual and meetings and events industry. Welcome back. Today, we have part two of a two-part uh, interview that we did with Joan Eisenstadt. Uh, Joan is a previous inductee in 2004 into the Convention Industry Council Hall of Leaders, and we talked to Joan about the Hall of Leaders, about the Convention Industry Council, some history, some background, and some ideas for things to maybe be done in the future. And so we hope that you'll enjoy part two today, and uh, here we go with part two. And I... Uh I know that there there are at least a few people I've been lucky enough to interview or or talk to over the years who've been inducted who are um, still working, like Carol, who we referenced earlier, um, are still working to shape things. And I know you've spent a tremendous amount of time educating people on room sets, on involving play and involving different learning styles and uh, and places like that. So thank you for, for your work and for living up to that uh, idea that that you're talking about of of really giving back and here's the tough part you know i look um at the list of people who've been inducted and and um and you made the observation that so many of us are still working um and carol is younger than i (laughs) Um, (laughs) and there are a number of people who were inducted um even before i was who who are younger than i am um there are people older than i who are still working um i think that there is a sense that um, once you've reached the level of induction, um, the level of industry recognition and being inducted, that that you don't have to give it back. I, I remember one of the um, the first awards I ever received was as um, International Planner of the Year from MPI, and it was it was a long time ago. Um, and and I remember someone. Um, who came up to me that night at the dinner, um, and I, I was, um, so that was like the early 90s, so I was much younger, and said, well, I guess you're not going to do it, you're not going to volunteer as much anymore because you've already, you know, you got this recognition. And and I remember being stunned that anyone would say that as, as if I had been <laughs> volunteering <laughs> because I was waiting for an honor. Um, and And... And so I think there are people who think, well, I got the honor. Okay, I'm done. I don't really have to give back. Um, and and I think that that's um, I think that's sad. And and I think that we I think we have an obligation. You know, it, that it's interesting because I was just thinking as you were uh, talking about that that I've observed some of that in some of the volunteer organizations I've been around, where somebody will be on the board or reach a certain level and and then they just, they don't tend to hang around as much anymore. They kind of get to that place and move on. But John, here's another piece of that. So the answer is, it's another yes and, because it is, we're not, we're not pulled back in. We are not looked to for our expertise. It's sort of, um, Patty Schock and I have talked about this, that when you get to a certain age, um, there is a sense that even if you're still working, that what could you possibly contribute? We don't want to hear from you. Um, you know, we already heard from you, um, and and to me, that's um, that's not going back to the mentoring issue. It's not creating 
a, a method by which we can continue to be involved. Um, it's not that we don't want to be, it's that we're often overlooked um, intentionally. And, and so as an industry, I think that we don't do a good job of reaching out to those, whether they've been recognized or not, those with experience. I mean, I look at somebody um, like Charlotte St. Martin, who was recognized, I don't, I'd have to go back and look at the list. She was with Lowe's, the Lowe's Corporation at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's now been working you know, um, on Broadway. I'd like to say she's a singer-dancer, she's not. But I did see her at the Tonys I mean, when I watched it on TV, but she's involved um, with Broadway. So she's gone on to an interesting other career. What an amazing role model to have to reach out and have her um, talk to young women and young men who want to say, who say, you know, meeting planning is interesting, but what are my other options? Where do I go from here? And so I think that we as an industry um, could do far more with all of us. It, it, it does unfortunately seem like the pace of change can be um, glacial at times of, uh, of doing things. I mean, I, I would observe that I just went to WEC and in talking about some of the things that I know are important to you, like room sets, um, yeah. they did a different type of room set in the general session. And there was a lot of discussion about it. And some people were a little uncomfortable at first. I talked to Paul about this. Yeah. And um, yet people kind of got into the rhythm of it and understood it. I looked at it from a technological point of view and thought, wow, that's going to be a lot more expensive. <laughs> um, but at the same time, they did, they did some interesting things that people could see having sofas in the general session room and not just having a sea of round tables. There were rectangles, there were bars, there were high boys. So, uh, you know, I, I think that was an interesting thing. And on the mentoring side, they did an ambassador program where they were trying to connect people who had been to WECs previously with people who had never been to one before to kind of give them someone to connect with and meet up with and uh, help them navigate the waters. So, I, I, I mean, I see steps that are taken uh, in some places, and I know that it could probably go a lot faster. And and I think, um, I, and I'm glad to hear this, and I know that when you were at the WEC that we had um, had some... Um, Facebook conversations about it, um, and and my hope is the same way. Um, I don't even know what year it was. It was a long time ago that ASAE um, did theater in the round for their general sessions. PCMA has done that. They did it for the breakouts too, and they said people were confused, so they stopped doing it. Hmm. Um, and so I think that what we what when this is sort of a side note to all this, what we don't do as an industry is talk about the why that we don't give people options. In other words, um, <laughs> couches are not good for me because they're generally too low. But mm-hmm. I don't like traditional chairs because I think they're incredibly uncomfortable and they don't do anything. Um, I don't. I always joke, I have a, a friend who's with one of the hotel companies and we joke and he says, I know that if the general session is a large dark room, um, we're not gonna find you there. Um, <laughs> that if you walk in and, and it's it's, set the same way it's always been. Um, I think we have to repeat things. I have, we think we have to talk about why. I think we have to explain it. I think we have to, um, to show people. I, I think we have to be consistent 
so that if we're doing, um, and, and not everybody wants to be in a room that looks like that. So we can, we can then go into breakouts and we can do other things. I think helping people further, um, like in your example of the ambassador relationship, how they can connect later and what that means. So here's some guidelines. People, you know, people, I think, have good intentions. And I think that we, um, organizationally, as an industry, we are not good at helping people maintain those connections um, and, and giving them the reason to do it. I think there's so much more. And, and, and one of the things um, that you said in the beginning about the diversity, um, <laughs> you know, I, um, you knew I'd come back to it. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I have, um, and I thought about when I knew we were having this conversation, how far I would go, and I'm not going to name names. So um, I'm going to be very cautious in, in how I say this. When I saw the list of inductees for this year's Hall of Leaders, um, I was pleased because there were people I knew and that I respect and, and I think that they are, they are good choices. And I know of someone else, um, a woman of color who has been nominated not just once but in the past, um, who met the qualifications, who has done much of what all of these people have done. I know, I know because I've spent time with this person. Um, and, and we, as an industry, showcase a lot of white people. We are very much like the Oscars. There is not, um, there isn't much of a, a cry to make it different. Um, and, I, and, I, and I know that there are, I look at the classes I teach and have taught, I look at the people that I have mentored and am mentoring. I look at the, the staff members and clients' offices, and I see a lot of people of color, and I don't see it still in the leadership of our organizations. I don't see it. I don't see them among the honorees, um, except in a few cases, and, and, and sometimes I wonder if people are being selected just because. Um, I think that, that we, um, we don't do a good job when it comes to diversity and, and recognizing it. We talk a good game. We have, um, I was on, I chaired um, one of the industry organizations' task force on diversity. Oh, God, I don't even know what year it was. It may have been around the same time that um, I served on the, what was then the Convention Liaison Council Board before it was the Convention Industry Council. Um, when I served for MPI and was put there intentionally by Doug Heath, who was then MPI's executive director, um, and I was I was asked to serve as one of MPI's three delegates because I was a woman. Because there were virtually I want to say when I got on when there were so CIC history, um, there were three delegates from every industry association that was a member. Um, I was maybe the second or third woman to serve. Hmm. And it was all men and all but one were white men. And so it's an issue that people don't want to address. And, and, I, and I think we're hurting ourselves. We're hurting the future of the industry. We're not recognizing the contributions of people who should be recognized. And, and I don't understand it. Um, and maybe it's more so after, no, I was say more so after this last week, but no, it's not. I've had this conversation for years um, with others about how we are not doing um, a great job of recognizing um, the, the diversity in our industry and the contributions of people who've, 
who who um are not the same old white men and I know I'm going to get criticized for that but they aren't the same old white men who've been there forever. Well, I mean, speaking as an old white man, um <laughs> which is really my demographic, I think we have to do better as well. And and it's a it, it's a greater conversation that stretches beyond our industry as you and I have both touched yeah. on um that uh, you know, across the board uh, in in the nation, we're having a lot of these discussions and they're not easy discussions. And they're a difficult discussion sometimes for someone like me, who isn't an old white man to have, because I... Well, but I'll tell you this too. I'm, I'm an old white woman. Um, and I've had these discussions from the time I was probably six years old. Um, and because of where I grew up and how I grew up. And so um, I think that in our industry. And so I'm going to, you know, I, I can, I can outside this work, I can address the broader issue. I think within the industry, and again, I go to the platform that those of us who are inductees have. And I think that we can, um, we can open up that conversation. I think that we have an obligation um, in what we do to talk differently it's it's you know you and i um was it two years ago whenever i did the session on inclusive meetings for for the conclave mm -hmm. um, we talked about that session it, you know we're not we are not addressing the needs of different populations and i <laughs> i'm my idealistic self thinks that meetings are uh, it's what you said early on about you know people want to meet face to face so Meetings to me are the um, the conduit to education. They're the conduit to change. They're the conduit to people getting to know each other um, who may not have otherwise had any opportunity because we're bringing together very diverse people in a lot of different professions. So in our own profession, I think we can do much more to um, to talk about and to include others instead of just continuing to have um, a task force. I, and this is just, a, a, again, a part of this, but a side note. This is what I, there are a lot of people who know absolutely nothing about the convention, convention liaison council, now convention industry council. I know, I, I bet if I asked all these people who are CMPs what they knew about something called the unity team, I'd get blank stares. And so the unity team was something that, and again, I don't remember years because it was a long time ago, um, that was formed through the CIC, then the CLC, um, of the foundations of a number of the industry associations to address diversity and inclusiveness. And great, a great study was done, a book was put out. Um, it was amazing work. And then it was just dropped. Hmm. So... I think, you know, one of my wishes, again, going back to CAC and those of us who are inductees, is that we we are now the history. We represent what was and we are we are the future. If we combine us with the pace setters, um, we're the people who can further this industry um, by first learning what it did. I, you know, I remember asking once at a CMP conclave, um, where uh, this year I'm not speaking, but I had spoken in the past, and, um, uh, and I've asked um, what they know about why 
the CLC was initially founded, even in what year. And there's not knowledge. Mm -hmm. So to me, you have to know your history. You have to know what's been done in order to take it forward. Maybe that'll be a test question for inductees. Maybe just like for citizenship, you have to take a test to see what you know about them, the history of the CIC. That would be pretty fun. So it's, maybe it, they'll it, do that. It, what strikes me about what you're saying is is something that I've said before, and I don't know if I've said it to you, but I've I've certainly said it to a number of people, and that is I've had a personal frustration that our industry organizations tend to have no long-term organizational memory. Right. Um, they just, they never seem to know what's gone before. And so they make some of the same mistakes over and over, or they just continue doing things the way they've always been done because that's how they were done. And I've, I've always felt that we needed somehow to better ha- have a better continuity in between things like a chapter of an organization and knowing the people who previously were on the board. I mean, I was on the board of my local MPI chapter, but it's now been a, a dozen years or so. Um, I strongly agree with that. I mean, I was president of our MPI chapter, the Potomac chapter, um, <laughs> 30 years ago. So um, it was, um, and I was president two years in a row. So. Um, at, at, at a number of points, we did. We had people come back and talk about where we came from and why why we are who we are and what we did, um, how we operated, and you know, and 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 even knowing who the founders were, even knowing um, why. Again, going back to CIC, why it was founded, why it exists, what it can do. Um, people know the CMP. They know pieces of it. Um, Sadly, they don't even know really, the, they don't know the whole of leaders. Um, they don't, I, I don't think people know other than the introduction and, you know, the, you can go online to see videos um, and, and listen to what was said about us or what we said. Um, and I think that people don't take the time. And we as an industry and, and CIC, I think, um, knowing how much is on their plate, I, I'm not, it's not, I'm not faulting um, them. It's it's that I think that again, if we go back to the role of the inductees, I think that we um, could do better. So maybe I use this as my as as my I'm you know I'm saying to all of you, past inductees and those who are going to be inducted, um, let's get together and do something. Let's have this conversation. Let's figure out how we can support CIC, support the industry, educate the industry, provide that history, um, and, and, and how we can further the profession by doing so. The profession's changing. You know, I, when I started my business in 1981, I was very happy to have an IBM self-correcting typewriter. And someone <laughs> listening to this is going, oh, what? <laughs> and so, um, and that was a big deal. And, and, you know, I remember when I had to, um, in writing contracts, if you changed a couple words, you had to start all over and do a whole new page. You know, whiting out was only for a few people. So, <laughs> um, so there, so there are things that technology has taken over. People think it's the end all and be all. Um, it's we're still, um, I think, a relationship organization, a relationship industry in many ways. Um, 
And I think that understanding where we came from, it's just why else would we, you know, as a nation or in classes, I have a niece who is a history teacher um, at a charter school, and, and, and I love what they're, they're doing some really cool stuff this coming year in terms of how they're teaching the different modules and integrating um, different periods of time into all the classes. So English classes are going to read within the same years that history is teaching about and you know and everybody's mm -hmm. arts are doing plays around um, what the plays were of those years so to me there's a way that the industry our industry could take examples and and feature history and talk more about where we came from yeah it's uh, it, there I was thinking of the technology still when you were talking about the typewriter. It's just so true. <laughs> having having worked in the technology side of it, my mind went off in about nine <laughs> different directions because I I still remember the last show I did with a slide projector. Yeah. And yeah. I remember um, we had some kind of unique things we were doing, and I won't try and tell the whole story, but at the end of the day, all the stuff was sitting off to the side, and the kids who were setting the room up were all doing their jobs. And I said, does anybody know how to set that up? And they said, no. <laughs> so right. I was giving them instructions on how you mounted the slide projector into a stacker and how you put the lens in and all of these things. And it dawned on me, it was like I was teaching Latin. I was teaching these yes. kids this dead language. Well, and, and yet think about what we both talked about here um, about um, improv. So if that technology goes... Um, people sometimes don't know what to do. It's like, what can we use instead? Mm -hmm. um, we're very reliant on, I'm reliant on technology. I, you know, if, my, if the internet goes down for a short time, it's like, oh my God, now what do I do? Right. Um, and so I think that we, it, this is where I think that learning to think on your feet, knowing how to use old technology. Um, I, I remember um, at, a, at a PCMA meeting many, many years ago, watching us, this was, we must have, not many people were using overheads, but there was still some use of them. But one speaker who I not only fell in love with and still in touch with and think he's marvelous, um, actually wrote on the overheads. And so I was mesmerized by what he was doing. <laughs> and, and, it, it, and then I think about that, I think it's just like graphic facilitation today that everybody's fallen in love with. Um, and so sometimes old technology, sometimes um, knowing how to use it, um, knowing how we can integrate things, knowing that there are people who have a comfort level. It's just understanding it. It's understanding um, what, what was, what is, and how do we use it, um, and what will be. Because I, I don't know that anybody really knows what will be. I will say this about technology. It's my comment about large dark rooms. I still don't understand why, with the great technology we have, why we have to walk into any rooms that are dark. But maybe that's an A-B lesson for another time. <laughs> I, I think maybe it's just psychological. That's what people are used to. And so it cues them that they're walking into a room where something's going to happen, I guess. Yeah, well, it doesn't work because some of us can't <laughs> find our way. So <laughs> it well, needs to be better. Oh, I agree. And and I, you know, you're, I think your, your point of, of leveraging um, – all of these amazing people who've been inducted into the Hall of Leaders and, and finding a way to take that knowledge and that experience and bring it forward is, uh, is a great, uh, a, 
a great idea to pursue. I think it would be wonderful if uh, some sort of framework could be built to give people a better sense of what's happened before. Um, I think that we can do it. I think um, I've already jotted myself a note about something I'm going to do, and I think that um, I, I'm because I'm not a CMP, the only way I can go to Conclave is if I'm speaking and I'm not speaking this year. Although, you know, should someone from CIC hear this and decide to want me to come to Baltimore, which I'm glad to do, um, and and we gather together any inductees who are there, it would be a delightful thing. Um, I've, I've recommended that in the past. The last time I spoke, I said, you know, whoever's there, why don't we do an informal gathering and anybody wants to come talk with us about our career paths, about anything. Um, we didn't do it, and and so um, I, I'm making that offer again <laughs> since it's going to be in Baltimore and it's it's an easy train ride. And uh, and I'll be there. So if you come up to Baltimore, I'll be able to uh-huh. say hello in person. <laughs> that would be nice. So maybe we can get CIC to convene those of us who are um, inductees who are there or in the area who are willing to come. They're... Um, it would be a it would be nice to have a concerted effort for 2017 to really do something around um, um, and something it's something fun but um, I'm going to call it the CIC citizenship test um, <laughs> and I'm now trademarking that um, but but to to really talk about um, where the industry has come from I think people don't even know what the industry has done. Um, and, and so if I don't get to Baltimore, I want you to take it upon yourself <laughs> to ask those who are there why CIC was founded. And what was the name of CIC before it was CIC? See what they know. Okay. Um, find out and ask them why it was founded and what was its purpose um, and what they know about it. Because I think that we can do that in a way, um, give them a gold star or something if they get it right, um, would be sort of fun. Very good. Well, uh, and, and you know, I had, I had a final question that I had wanted to ask you and it all, it all kind of fits with, uh, learning about history and understanding what's happened before. And it was really just, if, if you had one piece of advice to give to somebody who's new, who's listening to this, they're new to the industry, what, what would that quick piece of advice be? To learn the history of the industry, to go to those who've been in it longer, um, to ask questions about the why we do things the way we do, why we don't do things um, a certain way, and and to um, to take it even beyond curiosity, to make it part of your being, to um, to want to not only improve yourself, um, to also improve. Um, the industry and and to look and to know that there are ways to take the skills that we use and move them outside the industry so I guess in essence it's to broaden um, your horizons as you help broaden the industries I think that's terrific and uh, I look forward to uh, if if we do get a chance to see each other in Baltimore having uh, having a chance to talk uh, in person and uh, Either way, I will uh, I will ask around and see what people know about the history of the organization. It's a very uh, a very good question, and it's something that I can't personally answer right off the top of my head. I, and I'm a CMP. <laughs> Well, then you're not getting a star yet, but um, we'll work on that part of it. I'm so grateful, John. Thank you. Thank you so much for spending the time. We really appreciate it, as always. And uh, it's just delightful to talk to you, Joan. Um, 
And uh, for the podcast, we're going to uh, wrap this one up for today. Thank you for listening, and um, we'll talk to you next time. This has been the Strategic Meeting Tech Podcast, your podcast source for news and discussions of the meetings and events industry. You can find out more about Strategic Meeting Tech at our website, www.strategicmeetingtech.com. There you'll find resources and information about how we help planners to create better audiovisual and technology outcomes at their events. Our music is provided by Steph Sachs, under license from the Creative Commons, and you can find out more information and links to the artists there on our website as well. Please send any comments or show suggestions to John, J-O-M, at strategicmeetingtech.com. Thanks for listening.